Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zavaris. This is the Wednesday episode of the show, and we are going back to the grassroots of what this podcast is about. The reason the podcast is named the Upper Bowl GM Podcast is because every now and then, even us, the people who have to sit up in the upper bowl in the cheap seats can realize that uh, something isn't quite working with what the team they're watching, their favorite team, the team they pay hard-earned money, the team they invest emotional energy into. Uh, th- it's not working. What they are watching in front of them with their own two eyes is not working, even from where they are sitting up amongst the plebes that the teams neglect and don't really care about soliciting their money, even now, every now and then, us up in the cheap seats can realize the team is not doing something right, and that is the ethos of this episode, the origin, the main focus of the Wednesday episode of the show this week. We're going to be talking about the Rangers and some things I've been trying to unpack, trying to comprehend, trying to figure out as I'm going through this season, trying to work on some stuff amongst a number of things. Almost done with the Zabinijan blog. It's about halfway done, maybe between a third and a a halfway of being complete. I do want to get a few more things in there before I send it in, and we can have my amazing editors at Gotham make it all spiffy up for publication. going to try and finish that after I uh, finish recording the podcast today. This won't be a particularly long episode, Some similar to what it's been most of this week, between 30 and 40 minutes. Just kind of a quick hit of a diagnosis of what the problem is, what even I, who's watching from the cheap seats without an expertise in coaching or team building, can figure out. It will be a very easy, digestible episode. If you are someone like me who is emotionally invested in the Rangers, I think I can give you a little bit of solace in the problems the team is having and the origins of those problems. But before I get to juicy stuff, gotta take care of business, please help grow the show. No matter how you like to listen to the podcast, whether you are on Apple you're on Apple, please subscribe. Go to the list of episodes page where you can find every single episode. Scroll all the way down to the bottom past episode one. There's going to be five stars there that are clear, see-through, translucent, whatever word you want to use to describe it. Click the fifth star to the right. Then you can hit the write a review button if you're so inclined to help Give people an idea who might subscribe to the show or listen to the show an idea of what the show is about. That would be greatly appreciated. If you're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, any other platform, please follow and help grow the show. Every day, we're trying to get one more person a little bit smarter about something, whether it's about hockey, like today's episode, whether it's about soccer, football, baseball, basketball, MMA, Formula One, NASCAR, 
if we can help make the general public a little bit smarter, that is the end goal any good journalist. Rangers did not look good on Tuesday night against the New Jersey Devils. That was a particularly putrid effort against a team that had not played a hockey game since January 31st. As a reminder, it is February 16th. The Devils have not played a hockey game in 17, 16, 17 days, depending how technical you want to be on the hour countdown. And you wouldn't have known it from how badly the Rangers played. That's all you're going to get as the appetizer. I will see you guys on the other side of this drop. And yeah, David Quinn, I'm not in charge of your job, but if I were, you would have been fired a while ago. I'll see you guys in one second. I hate to give credit to Bill Belichick because I know I have a lot of Jet fan friends who are listening to this podcast right now, but the, the origin of my complaints about David Quinn as a hockey coach stem from what I know about Bill Belichick. And yes, I understand that football and hockey are different sports. In football, you have a full six days of preparation most weeks to get your team ready for the following week's game. You have installs, you have walkthroughs, and a coach who is good at crunching tape can come up with a game plan specific to the opponent you are playing every single week. Of course, Belichick is most known for his ability to scheme away what another team's best asset is, uh, going off of recent history, when the Patriots had played the Chiefs, their main focus was taking away Tyree Kill on the outside or Travis Kelsey, one or the other. Going into the Super Bowl against the Rams, their main game plan was taking away the jet sweep and the jet motion run game inside the box and forcing the Rams to throw the ball because the Patriots were able to do that. The Rams could get nothing going. And I understand the preparation process in football and in hockey is different. But there are certain tenets, pillars, foundations, if you will, of coaching that are universal, regardless of sport. The number one responsibility of a coach, a manager... Anyone who is in charge of setting a lineup on any given day in a professional sport, their most important job is to put their players in a position to succeed. How do you do that? There's a number of ways. Game plan, preparation, practice, and adjustments. When we look at the Rangers at face value, Based on the game they played Tuesday against the Devils, we can look at a number of things. Number one, we understand that they are shorthanded. They had no K. Andre Miller. He was inactive for the game. Artemi Panarin as well was inactive. He had practiced on Monday afternoon and was a Tuesday practice decision, as was Miller. Truba left the game during the second period due to injury. 
They've been without Filipino for several weeks. The center, who was playing particularly well going into that Thursday game, I think was the day of the week it fell against the Penguins. It might have been a Friday game. The first game where the first series in Pittsburgh where they went to Pittsburgh and he suffered that it, that upper body injury against the Penguins as he collided with Evan Rodriguez. But the Rangers have been shorthanded a lot of this season. And I understand that. But, but is an important caveat here. At some point, David Quinn needs to recognize, yes, David Quinn, the head coach of the Rangers, who general manager Jeff Gordon said, I've known for years, he was the coach at Boston University, he was an assistant coach in the NHL, he was a coach in the AHL, he's dealt with every level of hockey player that we could possibly give him, and that's why we want him in charge of our multi-year rebuild. He has failed to adjust what his team is doing based on the talent he's had. David Quinn has had two full regular seasons, three games in the Toronto bubble, and 14 games in the 2021 calendar season of a 56-game abbreviated season. And his teams have done pretty much the same thing the entire time. On offense, they've tried to create odd man rushes, score on those two-in-one situations, passing across Rainbow Road, like Steve Valachet of MSG Network likes to call it, that area where if a winger or a center is skating on a right or left side of the cre- of the net mouth, rather, they want to pass it opposite, where they catch a goaltender going from left to right or right to left, and it is a high percentage scoring chance. About 25% of those cross-trees passes result in a goal. That's a pretty high percentage when you think about in terms of wholesale shooting percentage from areas on the ice. you got to remember a typical NHL team on any given season shoots about 9.5% from the field on any given year. It might be a little bit higher, might be a little bit lower depending on the given year. So, when the Rangers have not had that cross-crease pass there, they have forced the puck into the middle and turned the puck over blindly. There has been no attempt at sustaining large-scale pressure where if you gain the offensive zone on an odd man rush, there is no attempt to take the puck behind the net There is no attempt to cycle the puck back out to the point and work on sustaining a degree of pressure where if you are constantly whipping the puck around the other team's zone, even at 5-on-5 where they have an even number of people, it's not like on the penalty kill for the other team where it's 5-on-4 and someone is always going to be open. Even at 5-on-5, if you are constantly whipping the puck around the perimeter of the ice and you can pass someone open because of your ability to pass, and if you are in control of the puck, the Rangers just have not made that a feature of their 5-on-5 game thus far in David Quinn's tenure, and to some degree, I do think that is a result of the type of talent he's had. There has not been a ton of forward talent on his teams during his tenure, but at the same time, the same time 
do we really think someone like David Quinn, who's gone out of his way to healthy scratch people, to make an example of them to everyone else, is just going to blindly be complicit in his players disobeying what he wants them to do? Do we think someone like David Quinn is going to allow his guys to just be blatantly insubordinate? I mean, there's a guy who healthy scratches guys for effort. I don't know how he likes to quantify effort. He's been very selective in what he defines as effort. I know in Tuesday's game, he started Pavel Buchnevich on the uh, third line and put Callum Blackwell on the first line with Mika Zbigniewicz and Chris Kreider, which was obviously kind of a joke. Uh, Quinn has made this a feature of his time as head coach of the Rangers. These befuddling lineup decisions based on his... Uh, Stepdad, tough love is how I'll describe it. Um, at some point, David Quinn does not get to continually skate on things that are in his control. Tuesday, after the loss to the Devils, the 5-2 loss, mind you, 5-2 is an abysmal loss on any given night in hockey. And in the Rangers' case, it's especially embarrassing because it came against a team that has not played a hockey game since January 31st. For everyone listening, on Wednesday afternoon, this game was played on February 16th. That is 16 and a half days since the last time the Devils have played a competitive National Hockey League game. And the Rangers were the team that came out flat. And I don't want to hear that Panarin wasn't able to go. I don't want to hear that Keandre Miller wasn't able to go. You heard it from Chris Kreider, and you heard it from David Quinn in the postgame. Both of them made sure to point out that the effort level for the Rangers was not there. That is not... The talent wasn't there, our best player, Panarin, was hurt, one of our best defensemen, Ke'Andre Miller, was hurt. That was the guys we had, the guys this front office put in our starting lineup as our guys we were going to go to war with. They came into this season telling us they thought they were in position to potentially make the playoffs. They could not muster up effort. Effort is supposed to be one of the things that David Quinn says is non-negotiable. If someone doesn't put in effort, they don't get to play. I want to see who he's going to healthy scratch for their next game, because if effort is non-negotiable and someone who is potentially going to be a captain of this team going into the season, Kreider, and the head coach, David Quinn, both pointed out that the effort was not there, I want to scalp. There are no more of these moral victories, there are, no, there are no more of these, well, we're playing really well, we're out chancing the other team, I need tangible progress from this team, the organization has given David Quinn a better roster in each of the years he's been the head coach, in year number one, he had a pretty bare-bones roster, and they traded more guys at the trade deadline. I was willing to accept that they were still in the rebuilding process. That's fine. Last year, they gave him Jacob Truba, they give him Adam Fox, they give him Capo Caco, 
They give him Artemi Panarin, and the expected goals results were not better. The Corsi, the Fenwick, none of those underlying stats were better. They just had Artemi Panarin give them an MVP caliber season, playing alongside Ryan Strom and Jesper Faust, and David Quinn... David Quinn got his tires pumped like he had figured something out. Like, the Rangers were in almost negative at even strength, aside from times Panarin was on the ice. And I've always been a little skeptical of the Quinn hire. I'll be frank. Year one, I said, we can't judge him yet. This team is not particularly talented. Last year... The regular season was pretty concerning up until about mid-January. Once they called up Shesterkin, they went on that really nice 12-game run. They won 10 and 12 games. Kreider broke his foot. They lost those two games to the Flyers. They won a game against Washington, the game I was at where Shesterkin came back. The game where Zabinijad had the five goals. That was very impressive. One of the last things I did before the pandemic set in and then a week later, when the season got put on pause, we all felt relatively good about the state of the franchise, that they had the goalie going forward, Panarin and Zabinijad were cooking, Kaka was only 18, he would have time to figure it out, and then there was, you know, the five-month pause between March and August, and... When the Rangers came back into that bubble in the playing round against Carolina, they looked like they had never played organized hockey before. Before recording this episode, I went back and reread the blog on Gotham SN, Gotham Sports Network, where you can find my writings, my musings. I reread what I wrote in the wake of the Rangers getting swept out of the bubble, and I attributed the problems to a lack of preparation, a lack of adjustment, and... David Quinn just not knowing what to doing when his initial game plan did not work. He was thoroughly outcoached by Rod Brittimore, who is a pretty good coach, who's someone who has been inclined to believe in the analytics, who works to weld the underlying results with the on-ice results, and Caroline has been pretty good in Rod Brittimore's tenure as head coach. And when I look at the Rangers... I'm not concerned from a talent perspective. When the roster is healthy, the prospects that are in the pipeline, the cap space they will have next summer, I think there is ample potential to build a Stanley Cup contender. And that is not the crux of this episode. Today's episode is coaching is a problem. When you think about any organized sport you played, whether it was Little League, whether it was Pop Warner, whether it was CYO, PBL, any organized sport you played, what was the job of your coach? What did you want from your coach? You wanted your coach to put you in a position to succeed. You wanted them, whether it was a he or her, you wanted them to tell you what to do to succeed. You wanted them to play you in a position that you were suited for and in a system that worked. 
do I think David Quinn knows how to coach hockey at some level? Yes. He got the job at Boston University after being assistant coach for a number of years, after being there as a player. I understand that on paper, David Quinn had the resume to be a National Hockey League head coach. I understand why the Rangers thought he was appealing as a hire. This was a guy who had recruited some pretty elite players to Boston University. Whether you want to talk about Charlie McAvoy or Jack Eichel, those are the two standouts that David Quinn had recruited. I understand. You are building a team more or less from the ground up. You are not starting entirely from scratch. You've got some building blocks in-house. When you talk about Zabinijad, Kreider, those guys you gave Quinn... The assumption was these guys were going to be there to help be the building blocks. You bring in Quinn because he has, at least at the college level, shown the ability to nurture guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 years old as hockey players. You think that because he's done that well at the college level for Boston University, granted, he did not win a damn thing with Jack Eichel, not win a damn thing with Charlie McAvoy at Boston University. And those were red flags. When the Rangers hired David Quinn, I was still writing for Blue Line Station, and one of the writers at the time, one of the staff writers, Dan Karazzi, who is a Boston University alumni, told me, point blank, he recruits well, but he is not a great in-game coach. And I think that is a fair assessment. David Quinn has not shown you any ability to adjust based on what the other team is giving him, and if it's not there, it is just not there. Now, I think David Quinn knows what good hockey looks like. I also think he's a particularly stubborn individual who has not shown a willingness to adapt based on what the guys he has give him. This season, the Rangers, they're Underlying numbers have been a net positive in 10 of the 14 games they've played. When you want to talk about expected goals, which is what we in the analytics community use to assess quality of chances created in relation to what the other team is doing, based on situation, all of that stuff. Expected goals counts for where on the ice the shot came from, against what players on the ice against you and in the situation whether you got an offensive zone start defensive zone start neutral zone start on the fly start all of that is accounted for in expected goals the rangers have had a positive expected goals in a majority of their hockey games this year and last week when i talked about the rangers in their game i said i was not particularly worried because they were still creating chances and shooting percentage eventually finds its mean even though I did say that with the caveat of in a 56 game season that might not be entirely the case in relation to a typical 82 game season 82 games is more than 56 games the more games you have to play the more likely you are to regress to your career mean of course because something is your career mean does not mean you will fall in line with that. You may have an outlier season. 
whether it is higher or lower than what you had typically done in the course of your career, we are operating under the assumption that the mean is your average, and when you compare it to a average over amongst whether you want to talk about forwards, all players, draft year, all of that, all of that. When you talk about comparing things to statistical averages, you assume that eventually they will find their level. Water always finds its level, rising tide raises all boats, all of those cliches you always hear. The Ranger shooting percentage is down. When you look at natural statric, the Rangers team PDO is 98.2. When you look at hockey reference, it is 98.6. PDO is what is called the Luxstat in common parlance and common discourse amongst those in the analytics community. It's very easy to calculate. All you need to do is add the team shooting percentage to the team save percentage. The Rangers are shooting very low. Their shooting percentage has been the problem. And yes, their goaltending was a problem their first, I'd say, four games of the regular season sans the shutout against the Islanders in game number two. The underlying numbers are there for the Rangers to positively regress back to some semblance of being able to score goals at even strength, and eventually the power play will start to click. And the power play is a perfect example of somewhere where David Quinn has not been willing to adapt. He has insisted on going with the four right-handed guys and one lefty on power play number one. He's done Panarin, Zbigniewicz, Fox... Strom and Buchnevich on the first power play, and that's put the person who's on the right-hand side at a disadvantage because it's been Strom a number of times this year, and when you have Kreider in front of the net, and if Strom is on the right-hand side, so if you are looking at the TV and the Rangers are shooting at the goal to the left in the net mouth, he is shooting far side, away from where he would typically be shooting and it's the opposite. If the Rangers are in the right-hand side of the rink on the power play, and they have Ryan Strom shooting from the right, the closer to the TV side, if they're on the right-hand side of the rink, he's shooting further away from where he should be. Typically speaking, you want to have a left-handed player on the right-hand side of the ice and a right-hand player on the left-hand side of the ice for power plays because of the one-timer. Typically speaking, when you are designing your power play, you do it around your trigger mans at the circle. You can have a point trigger man, but thus far in David Quinn's tenure, he has used Zbigniewicz as the trigger man. He's used Panarin as a bumper. He's used Ryan Strom as a bumper. He's used Adam Fox at the point. He's used Tony D'Angelo, who is no longer with the team at the point. And he has parked Chris Kreider in front of the net to screen the goaltender. And the Rangers have not had the same level of power play success as they did last year. And that is part of the problem. The Rangers exceeded their underlying numbers last year because they were so good at the man advantage. Zabinijan had 16, 17 goals on the power play last year. Panarin was almost a point and a half, 1.8 points per game player because their power play was so successful because he was the bumper. 
he was setting up Zabinijad for all of those golden opportunities. The goals that were redirected in front of the net, he was getting secondary assists. The Rangers are not adjusting based on what they have, and it's part of the problem. Since Philip Heedle was forced out of the lineup due to an upper body injury when he collided with Evan Rodriguez against the Penguins in game number three of the regular season, the Rangers have had a problem down the middle. I mean, it's been true since 2011, 2012, 2013, when they went into the season with, you know, Derek Stepan, Brad Richards, and Daryl Powell, and Jeff Halpern as their three centers and the four, their four centers in the lockout season. Then in 2014, at the deadline in 2013, they traded for Broussard, so they were they went Stepan, Richards, Broussard, and Brian Boyle down the middle, and that wasn't a bad foursome, but there's no number one center in that group. Then, after that, they flip Broussard for Zabinijad, they go to the playoffs in 2017, they lose in the second round to Ottawa to an inferior team, and they trade Stepan that offseason for D'Angelo in the seventh overall pick, and they send Auntie Ranta along with Stepan to Arizona for that trade, and they still have yet to rectify the center position, and the finish at shooting percentage will rebound at some point. I do think there is a reasonable chance that you just have to chalk up this Zabinijad season up as a lost season because there just simply isn't enough time to rebound and because counting stats are so heavily, heavily contingent upon shooting percentage and shooting percentage takes time to rehabilitate. Zabinijad shooting less than 3% right now and that is... 8% lower than his career average, and a tenth of what he was shooting last year when he was shooting 19.8%. I mean, he was never going to shoot 19.8% again like he did last year, but around 10%, 9.5% was reasonable. So there will be a time when Zabinijad will get it going. Uh, I don't know how much he'll get it going. His underlying numbers, whether you want to talk about expected goals or... um. Corsi or Fenwick, for that matter, he is not driving play like he has in the past, so his defensive liability has been exposed a little bit more than he usually had. Um, the only positive season in terms of expected goals Corsi and Fenwick's Benijet has had in his tenure as a Ranger was the 2018-2019 season, and since then he has had negative years, and those were overlookable, um, acceptable, because he was putting up the counting stats. And now that he is not putting up the counting stats, the fact he's being outchanced at even strength is a problem. I think there is a relatively simple solution to a lot of the Rangers' problems this season. I think a lot of it has to do with just I don't think David Quinn, I don't think David Quinn gets what it means to be a coach at the NHL level because his guys do not ever look prepared. Remember back at the beginning of this episode when I was talking about Bill Belichick in preparation and how he always puts his guys in a position to succeed? 
I forget what player it was. It might have been... It might have been Dion Branch, but I'm not positive what player it was who was quoted in the story. But in that this particular player's tenure in New England, they said the only time Bill Belichick did not have them prepared for the opponent they were playing was the game against the Miami Dolphins where Tony Sperano broke out the Wildcat offense with Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams where no one had expected that and the Patriots just didn't know what to do. I'm not saying that David Quinn has to figure out how to master scheme on two days notice for every single game. I'm saying he needs to have a plan in these games other than creating odd man rushes and forcing the puck to the middle of the ice at even strength as your primary source of scoring chances because they are not creating sustained pressures. When a team gains the offensive zone, you want them to work the cycle and catch the other team out of position and create a quality scoring chance. Yes, odd man rushes are decent scoring chances. If you can get that puck across Rainbow Road, you score one out of four times at the NHL average. But it's not there this year. And that is what has frustrated the, me the most this year about the Rangers is there's been no adaptation. There's been no changing of what the team is doing to create offense. And it's frustrating because the underlying scoring chances are there. The advanced statistics say the Rangers are creating a majority of chances in their games, but they are not converting on said chances. And it's not a direct one-to-one -one comparison, but it's the equivalent of getting to the red zone and settling for field goals. The Rangers have the offensive talent to convert these scoring chances and to have a multi-prong attack that isn't solely contingent upon odd man rushes. You would like to see more redirect attempts on point shots because they have guys like Truba and Fox who are so good at shoot shooting the puck, at least perceived as. I know I wrote a couple of weeks ago that Truba's shooting the puck is kind of a problem because he shoots a little too much and he kind of takes bad shots, but if you have defensemen who are comfortable shooting the puck, you want to have guys in front of the net who can redirect the puck and create second chance scoring opportunities, and those just haven't been there for the Rangers thus far this year. We talk about, e I don't want to say easy fixes, because I'm assuming David Quinn has had a particular style and structure of hockey he's been coaching his entire life as a professional coach. But, I would like to see some variety, some changes, some ideas, whether that's more shots from the point that are redirected, whether that is more attention to creating a general conventional cycle where you work the puck along the perimeter until someone has a better scoring opportunity, whether that is more individual player trying to make someone miss through a skill move and getting to a quality part of the ice to create a scoring chance, or whether that's changing how you're forechecking. Because I know that's been an issue at times this year is that the Rangers are just blindly dumping the puck into the offensive zone and not pursuing the puck in the corners and not forcing the other team into a difficult play. And I'm tired 
of hearing David Quinn say that the effort level was not there because the effort level is reflective on the coach. You have these guys in practice. These guys are not able to have the typical distractions of a normal hockey season where they can go out, they can get themselves into trouble, they can interact with other people. These guys are more or less just hockey players this season more than any other season. And they're still not making those decisions. They are not pursuing those 50-50 pucks. They are not winning those close battles. And when they are dumping the puck in, in non-mind change situations, they're not winning the 50-50 pucks. And we need to see something different. 14-15 games like the Rangers have played thus far is not a whole sample, but you can begin to draw some conclusions. They are not having a ton of shooting luck. They have not had particularly good goaltending up until about the last week and a half, two weeks. Their goaltending is slowly but surely getting back to about league average, and I suspect it'll finish around that 9-10, area like a typical NHL goalie tandem will, but the more pervasive issues are the ones that, yes, I think David Quinn is the problem, but he continually ascribes the problem as a lack of effort. And effort, preparedness, mental toughness, these are all reflections of David Quinn. Do your players know what to do when they have the puck on their stick? Have you run them through enough drills? Have you run them through enough scrimmages? Have you put them in enough game situations where they know what they're supposed to do with the puck? Do they know how to execute a successful zone exit? Do they know how to execute a successful zone entry? Can they execute a successful zone pressure? All of these things are reflective of a team that does not know what to do. Yes, the Rangers added a few new pieces since last season. They added Lafreniere, they added Keandre Miller, but for all intents and purposes, your top six was pretty much the same. You were sliding Kako into the Jesper Foss spot, you were putting Lafreniere into the Kako spot on the third line, and you were going with Heedle, Gautier, and Lafreniere as your third line, and your fourth line was some combination of Kevin Rooney, Brendan Lemieux, and Brett Howden. And there is a fundamental lack of situational awareness on this hockey team. And I understand that almost all of my points are moot. That from everything I've read from people who cover the team on the day-to-day -day basis feel that this is all part of the process, that these are growing pains, that with more time these guys will figure it out. But I am going to maintain this level of skepticism until the organization proves me wrong. There are better head coaches than David Quinn sitting out there available right now. 
Sean McKierney is one of the most respected members of the hockey analytics community. His data sets are the gold standard amongst the publicly available information we get from the advanced stats community. And his coaching model had David Quinn as the worst head coach in the NHL last season by a significant margin. That is accounting for his talent, the way he uses his players. All of that is a factor, but David Quinn is a net negative on even strength chance creation and a net negative on even strength chance prevention. Those are both those are both damning indictments. Yes, in a majority of the team's games this season have they been on the positive end of that spectrum, but they are not finishing those chances. And a part of that comes from the type of chances they're creating. Yes, their expected gold numbers have been positive in more games than they have been negative, but they are not adapting on a game-to-game basis. I would like to see more variety in what the team is doing in the offensive zone because they have had such a hard time creating finishing scoring chances not creating they've created an ample number of chances they've not finished them and when you are missing shots you need to attempt something else i hate to go to another sport again but if we go over to the basketball universe if a shooter is having a hard time making a three-pointer they will drive to the rim and attempt to draw a foul to get a pair of free throws. We need to see something different in the types of chances the team is creating because the chances they are making right now are not working. Yes, they're getting to good parts of the ice, and yes, they are more often than not dictating the expected goals. They need to try something different because they are not scoring goals. When your expected goals are higher than your actual goals, that means you have a finishing problem. If you have a finishing problem, you need to try and make things easier. You need to look for those redirects, those greasy goals. On Sportsnet on Sunday night, a Saturday night, excuse me, for Hockey Night in Canada, Kevin Bieksa, the former Canucks and Anaheim Ducks defenseman, used to say said that when the Ducks were in a scoring drought, Corey Perry, the assistant captain on the Ducks at the time, he would throw his stick in a garbage can in the middle of the locker room, and he would tell everyone, spit in the garbage can, blow your nose in the garbage can. The entire message of that anecdote was, we need to score a dirty goal. We need to get to the net mouth. We need to get a redirect. We need to score on a rebound. We need to make things simple. And right now, the Rangers are making two things too complicated, and that is reflective on the coaching staff. I know there are an awful lot of people arguing in bad faith right now that David Quinn is not the problem, that Artemi Panarin and Keandre Miller and Phil Pietel being out is the problem. They still have the same problem tonight. The team created more chances in two out of the three periods, better chances including the total number, 
They had more chances overall and more high-quality chances, but they didn't finish. I need the team to try something else. I know I said this episode would be between 30 and 40 minutes. We're at the 44-minute mark now, and I'm going to get you guys out of here, but I just want to wrap up on this note. The team has the talent to push for a playoff spot. And I know there are people arguing in bad faith that this was supposed to be another rebuilding season, and it's okay if they don't make the playoffs. Those people are entirely full of shit. They full well know the organization built this roster, put these rookies and these young guys on the roster with the expectation of being able to push to for a playoff spot and that finishing it in a lottery position would be a failure. If you told the Rangers they were going to be in a position to draft Owen Power, the defenseman from Michigan, in the top five going into this offseason at the start of the season, something went wrong. And yes, the Kito injury is a big part of that, but there are no excuses. At some point, the Rangers need to figure it out. I need the coach to come up with some better excuse than we're going to try harder next time. I'm, I've am i heard enough of David Quinn making that excuse during his two seasons and 15 games as head coach of the Rangers. I've just about had enough of him as head coach, period, let alone his excuses. I know the organization is going to give him this year and probably next year before it moves on. That is a mistake. The sooner you realize there's a problem, the better, whether it's coaching or general manager. The longer you allow someone who is not positively steering you in the right direction to be in direction of your franchise, the longer you are away from winning. And with all of that said, I hope Everyone goes out and has an absolute awesome Wednesday. Hope the Rangers get their shit together on a day off. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Not sure what tomorrow's episode is going to be. Probably hockey, but it might be football. It depends. I'll see how much of that Zabinijab blog I can finish and if it can get published. If it gets published, we'll probably talk football. I will see you guys tomorrow.